Welcome to Daily Devotion with Ken Gurley. Devotions designed to inspire you on your daily walk with God. Each day we walk through the vital principles of the abundant life. Our Lord can do above and beyond all we ask or think. Here's your host, Ken Gurley. Not much came from Moses' tabernacle into Solomon's newly constructed temple. The only thing that did make the trip was that Ark of the Covenant, fashioned by craftsmen, moved on by the Spirit of God. For many years, it stayed in Moses' tabernacle, but it was taken in battle by the Philistines, returned to Amenadab, then Obed-Edom, David's tabernacle finally where it sat for 40 years, until it was carried into Solomon's new temple. Solomon's temple had a new brazen altar that was far larger than the previous. It had a new brass laver called the sea that was far larger. It had more candlesticks. It had more tables of showbread. It had more golden altars of incense. The comparative, the superlative, it points the way to God, richer, deeper, better. And when you step into the Holy of Holies, it really gets strange because there's the only piece of furniture from Moses' tabernacle, the Ark of the Covenant. But for the first time in history, in the most holy place, or the holiest of holies, there were some other items there as well, two in number, cherubim. The Ark of the Covenant was actually dwarfed by these seeming intruders into the holiest of holies. The Ark of the Covenant, I mean, at the tallest point, at the top of the wing, stood five feet tall. These freestanding cherubim were each 15 feet tall. They were at least 10 feet taller than the most sacred piece of furniture in the temple. The Ark of the Covenant had sufficed in solitude for centuries, but now in the most holy place, there are two gigantic creatures towering over the Ark of the Covenant. Their presence did not displease God. Otherwise, it would be doubtful if His glory would have filled the temple at its dedication. No, they were fashioned and situated in a strategic way to indicate something of great importance, perhaps more complex than we can fully comprehend. What was their significance? What was their meaning? All of this week on Daily Devotion, I'm talking about restoring our spiritual passion. And I see something in these two creatures called cherubim, standing 15 feet tall in the holiest of holies, that has to do with me and you today. And it shows us a path forward to restore our spiritual passion indeed our purpose and destiny. Let me talk to you about these two creatures. First, they're called cherubim, the plural of cherub. We say the word cherubim. So often we forget its plurality. But picture this, two angelic creatures reached across a blood-spattered mercy seat on the Ark of the Covenant. Those were cherubim. But freestanding cherubs now stood behind that Ark of the Covenant. It was to indicate the path into the holiest is found in plurality, is found in unity, is found in brotherhood, 
community, fellowship, togetherness. Solitary saints are a misnomer. Solo flights into the heavenly realm are impermissible. God raises us up together in heavenly places. There's a plurality to our praise, a we and us and an our, not an I, me, and mine. We make this journey together or we don't go at all. Wasn't that the great intercessory prayer of Moses? God was upset with his people. They had fashioned a golden calf and returned to their idol worship. And God told Moses, I'll destroy them and I'll start over with you, Moses. Not that God would have done that, but he did this to try and test the meekest man who ever lived. And Moses prayed one of the most beautiful prayers in all of the Bible. God, not alone. Destroy them, destroy me. We go together. It's the enemy's desire to isolate us and to cause us to think we're all alone or we can make it alone. I saw that and so did you. In the recent years of the pandemic, there was such a sense of terrible isolation and separation and people left to their own devices, people trying to go it alone. It just doesn't work. We go together. We belong together or we don't go at all. That's what Jesus was trying to teach his disciples, his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. They fell asleep at the Mount of Transfiguration. They fell asleep at the Garden of Gethsemane. But he was teaching them something at high moments, at low moments. We are better together. Can I tell you a story? Actually, three stories. The Jews give three reasons the temple was built where it was. First, they say that was the location of ancient Moriah, where Abraham was willing to offer Isaac. And second, they also say it was the site of Ornon's threshing floor, where David paid full price and offered sacrifices to the Lord, and the plague was stopped. Third, the Jews point to a very old story. It's not a story found in the Bible, but they have told this story for many, many years, and it has some beautiful implication. It's the story of two brothers, one single, the other married with many children. It's the story of a thrashing floor that lay between these two brothers' homes. The harvest was in. The thrashing had begun. Sheaves of grain split 50-50 between the brothers on either side of the thrashing floor. And late at night, each brother is trying to sleep. The joy of the harvest is melting into gratitude and then into brotherly kindness. The brother who was single thought of his married brother and how much greater his needs were. He purposed, I will arise and move some of my sheaves to his side of the threshing floor. At the same time, the married brother thought of his single brother and thought, you know, I am so blessed. I have so much, but he has so little. He lives for the harvest. I will arise and moves some sheaves from my side of the threshing floor to his. At midnight, two men, two brothers, with arms filled with sheaves of grain, meet in the center of the threshing floor. And they realize what the other was doing, and they drop the sheaves and embrace. And the Jews say that is where the Ark of the Covenant rested, where two cherubim reached toward each other across a blood-spattered mercy seat. As God said in Exodus 15, I will meet you there. 
above the mercy seat, where two are reaching one toward another. Oh, how beautiful, how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Those cherubim never stood alone. They were together. Watch and pray. You see, that's what cherubim did. They acted as the sentries. Cherubim were placed before the Garden of Eden, watching over its entrance. And they now stand before the Ark of the Covenant, watch and pray. We stand as watchmen over precious things. We stand before God like those cherubim of old. We are together because alone we can fall asleep, alone we can grow overcome, alone we can get bitter and fall by the wayside. Woe to him, the Bible said, who is alone. We need a brother and a sister to help us up. Are we united together? Are we standing in heavenly places in Christ Jesus? Let me draw out something else about these twin cherubs that stood 15 feet tall in the holiest of holies in Solomon's temple. I want to draw your attention to their wings. Not only did they stand 15 feet tall, but each of them had a wingspan of 15 feet, a collective wingspan of 30 feet. Their inner wings touched one another and their outer wings touched the walls of the holiest of holies. Do you think that's by accident? Oh, no. God planned it that way. We know God is a spirit, but for us to better grasp him, he is described as having wings in the Bible. In Exodus 19, I bore you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Or in the 57th Psalm, David spoke of taking refuge in the shadow of God's wing. Jesus spoke of his desire to gather his people as a hen does her brood beneath the wings. Wings are emblems of divine protection and presence. Little wonder that wings of prayer have been the abiding metaphor for seeking God's faith. Prayer serves as the wings of the soul, which it takes flight to the throne of grace. Augustine asked, do you wish your prayer to fly toward God? Then give it two wings, fasting and giving. Prayer is the rustling of the wings of the angels that are on their way bringing us the promises of heaven. Have you heard prayer in your heart? you shall see the angel in your house. Spurgeon said that. What wings are to a bird, what sails are to a ship, so is prayer to the soul, said Corey Ten Boom. I believe that prophets, apostles, disciples of old were unashamed of those wings of prayer. But we live in an age where our prayers have grown silent. A generation has grown mute. The tarry-until mindset has become part of yesteryear's scrapbook, no longer found in today's playbook. The act of seeking the face of God is sometimes met with apathy or disinterest. Maybe we've forgotten the wings of prayer. Amnesia or forgetfulness in part has happened to the people of God. We need to be stirred to stretch those wings again and soar into the heavenlies. Malachi 4.2, But to you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness shall rise with healing in his wings. I believe the healings are found in the wings. 
the miraculous found in the wings. When we gather together and pray, healing comes, power comes, grace flows. There is a fifth horse loose in this world today. It's not the original four horses in heaven's corral reserved for tribulation. We have a fifth horse called despair. It's loosed on this world. The scourge of pervasive loneliness is everywhere in our midst. A riptide of lawlessness is everywhere. But wings of prayer are being stretched, and righteousness is on the rise. The skies that have been brass above us are opening. Forgotten wings of prayer and giving, prayer and fasting, wings of gathering together and reaching for God, they're coming back. I believe it's time for every one of us, as children of the Most High God, as emblemed in those two cherubim that stood in the holiest of holies. I believe it's time that we rise up. We let our prayers rise up. We stretch our wings. We unfold them and say, with these wings of prayer, with my fasting, with my almsgiving, with my praise and my worship, I'm going to soar into the heights, and we are going to claim the power of glory on this earth. I'm talking about restoring your spiritual passion. Shake those wings of prayer and allow God to let you go free into the atmosphere of His provision. I believe it's happening. I believe it will happen today. God bless you. Thank you for sharing in daily devotion with Ken Gurley. We pray this ministry has been a source of encouragement and strength to you. Please be mindful that your financial support enables us to meet with you each day. To give a donation or connect with us, visit our website at kengurley.com. There you will also find the latest books, podcasts, and resources. The book on prayer is Pastor Gurley's latest book. You can get your copy of this life-changing book at kengurley.com. May God's favor rest on you in every way until we meet again.